This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. And we're back with you to talk about movies, as we do. Um, Danielle. Millie. We got a good episode today. We really do. I mean, I've I've cracked a cold one, a Diet Coke. It's going to be a caffeinated episode. Can't wait for that. And we have, we had a question that was from a listener that was so good that we had to (laughs) yet again bring in the big guns. Oh, absolutely. And let me just tell you right now, since we dropped that Halloween-themed FMK episode, like, people have been freaking going crazy with the FMKs. Like They're bugging out. Yeah, and, like, I think they're trying to be intentionally weird at this point, which I very much appreciate. But we love this one because it was kind of creative. And like you said, we have a big gun here to help. This is going to be awesome. We had to do it. We had to do it. Now, this 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 person is just... I was a fan of his work before I was a fan of him as a friend. He is a true delight of a human being. And I just love him. And we've had him on before in a very contentious episode, or what turned out to be a contentious episode, where we dared to posit that The Rock doesn't kiss... And boy, did we hear from people who were well-versed in the rock-kissing universe. Uh, but this one, we're bringing him back because he's just, we, we love him to bits. And we, he's a comedian. He is the co-host of the Bananas podcast. He's Banana Boy number one. He has a brand new comedy special called Perfectly Stupid that dropped on October 27th. If you haven't already watched it, Please do so immediately. You will laugh your absolute ass off for an hour straight. It's only Kurt Brownoller. Hello. I, I'm I'm kind of getting over being called a big gun over and over again. <laughs> it's slightly uncomfortable with the big gun. We like to give people reasons to talk in therapy. Like, you know, you reach that point in therapy where you're like, I think I'm okay. I got nothing to talk about. And now we've just given you like a month's worth of material. <laughs> I also like it that it's the phrase is usually the big guns, like yeah. there's plural, but just to have one big gun. You're one gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's a solitary big gun. We're just changing the game. Alone on a hill. <laughs> <laughs> just rolling around. I mean, like, does anybody recognize me? I'm a big gun here. Anybody? <laughs> No one. Well, we are so happy to see you as always and just so thrilled that you could be here for this question in particular, which we have from a reader named Dana. I'm very excited. (laughs) Are you prepared for this? I mean, I I was up all night again with these trying to figure out who I was going to pick for what. This is also like my favorite thing about people sending us the, the FMKs. 
Um, which I may have to have Casey go back and tell us how this started because I truly don't remember. As you know, anything, yeah. the minute we're done recording, like everything I just said went out of my head. Um, <laughs> but I think it started when a listener sent us in an FMK. And Millie, as per usual, will spend like 17 hours coming up with her answers. And I just jump in. <laughs> I'm like, whatever I'm feeling in the moment, that's what's up. So anything goes. But we have this incredible question. Millie. Yes. <laughs> I also like the idea, Millie, that um, you think about it because you're like, well, I'm going to have to marry this person. So <laughs> yeah. this is I should put I should respect the relationship if I'm going to answer. Like, I find it and it's like as about as close to a legal document as I could ever sign. So I have to take it seriously. Like, if I'm going to go on record, it's going to be the rest of my life. So and then you have to kill someone. Yeah, so I mean, that's even more intense. <laughs> I mean, who do you want to be on the run with is really the question. <laughs> it's actually a good question is which is more intense, marriage or a murder? Exactly. Um, mm. Because a murder lasts moments, but maybe haunts you for forever. Uh, <laughs> you said a mouthful, Kurt, already. <laughs> As a divorce person, I'm still kind of, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm, it's a toss up for me still. <laughs> it's kind of the same, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, jump into this question because I cannot wait to hear your answers. Okay. So here here goes the email. It starts with, okay, I'm not very good at FMKs, but y'all have been cracking me up with the answers you give on the bonus episodes. Maybe that's a good question. Two, what goes into a good fuck, marry, kill round? Are you going for funniest order or funniest options? Anyway, here is my FMK. Same name actors. Okay. <laughs> so should we do the thing we did before where we don't reveal the two rounds until... Yeah. Okay. Let's do round one. Okay, we'll do round one first. So Dana finishes her email with, love you and love the show, Dana. She, her pronouns. Thank you, Dana. So let's get into this right now, because I'm... This is wild to me. I don't know how you guys felt. <laughs> Um, first round, FMK, same name actors, fuck, Mary kill, Michael Caine, Michael Shannon, and Michael J. Fox. Ooh, Kurt, guests go first. Guests go first. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, man. See, I don't know. Like, Michael J. Fox, he seems... He like he has his own, uh, uh, you know, charity. He seems like a very nice guy. And then Michael Caine seems very dapper. Um, but yeah. also, I haven't seen Michael Caine in a long time. Is Michael Caine still alive? He's still with us. Okay. Yeah, okay. So he's still as of us. this recording, he is. Yeah. So, so I want as of this recording, <laughs> I wanted to say my instinct was to kill Michael Shannon. My instinct. Gotcha. Sure. Um, but I think you maybe. I think you maybe fuck Michael Shannon. <laughs> um, Are you asking? Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you. <laughs> because I think all three of these uh, actors I like. Yes. And yeah. so I think we're going to have to do kind of, we're going to have to apply a triage concept to this. Whereas like, how can we do the least harm to humanity? <laughs> and it seems like <laughs> Michael Caine is the closest to 
to death. He's had a long life, is what I'm saying. And so I think <laughs> I have to kill Michael Caine mm. and fuck Michael Shannon and marry Michael J. Fox. And I don't think there's any other way to answer that. Oh, you're going to be surprised. Now, I like that you... <laughs> yes. I like that you are applying, like, the, the doctor's code rule yes. to this. Um, <laughs> I just listened to an episode of Radiolab about triage, and so it, it really helped me apply that to it. But this also helps answer Dana's question in terms of, like, what goes into a good fuck, Mary kill round, which I think this is, I mean, truly, the examples were great, Dana. Like, you did a fine job. Yeah, but yeah. I think it is the one that makes you, to me, a good fuck, Mary kill round is one that it's very difficult to figure out who to kill. It's difficult to figure out like what, and, and taking your cue here, what would do the least harm to humanity? <laughs> yeah. And then you also, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but I think if you figure out that component, the other two kind of fall into place. Yeah. And also I definitely didn't go for funniest version here. I was really thinking, I was yes. really considering... <laughs> The impact it would have on human humanity. Yes, I appreciate that, certainly. <laughs> what I love more than anything is catching a comedian in a very serious and tender moment. <laughs> he's like, I am not considering the funniest option here. I'm not doing it. I'm going for <laughs> my radio lab <laughs> triage answer. <laughs> and those are great answers. Those are great answers. And Millie, uh, very thoughtful. Millie, I know you're also going to give a thoughtful answer, so I think you should go next. Okay, I here's here's how I figured this out. I I actually now Kurt's method seems a little bit kinder. I feel like I should have <laughs> went that in that direction, but I just went for like kind of what am I actually feeling inside, right? So right. my my I would say fuck Michael Shannon, and and I don't really know why other than it seems like he would be fun. He seems like a fun guy. <laughs> Maybe. A little weird. Maybe it'd be fun. It's, he'd definitely be intense. Yeah. Intense. Yeah. As our former uh, as our former guest, he's looking for an intense lay, Pete. Uh, he would say that about Michael Shannon as well. So I guess you're right. He would be an intense lay. I think Pete said that about Dracula. <laughs> or I think it was Michael Myers. He said Michael, Michael Myers, Myers would be an intense lay. Um, so I'm going to do the F for Michael Shannon. Now... I will marry Michael Caine, and I really just feel like it would be, just because I feel like he would be the best to live with, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's older, he would be, like, in the study, reading a lot, and I would be doing my own thing on the other side of the house, and we would have kind of, like, a relationship where we didn't have to talk very much or something, right. you know? It would just be, like, a really nice, quiet intellectual marriage, okay? As, as you know, I'm into this because this is the reason I was going to marry Freddy Krueger. Because <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be gone all the time. We have opposite hours. When, he, when I'm asleep, he's haunting dreams and killing people in dreams. And we don't have to talk that much. It'd be a very short relationship, so I'm very into that. Danielle wants to marry the, the, the one that doesn't, isn't around very much. Yeah. So Get out that's, of here. Yes. So... That's my, my that's my Mary. Now that obviously leaves MJF <laughs> as the kill. You're, you're killing Michael J. Fox in the year 2022 and in this really, cultural climate. I know, and really, it's because I recently watched the movie Bright Lights, Big City for the first time. Oh. And I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but it was like his dark turn movie where he played like a cokehead the entire yeah. time, and he was like 
he was terrible in that movie. Not terrible as an actor, but his character was really terrible. So I was like, okay, he can die for that. Uh, beyond anything <laughs> you, else. But. You could just imagine it's that you're killing the character and yes. not beloved American icon, <laughs> Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> True hero, Michael J. Fox. <laughs> well, now, Danielle, we got to know what yours is. Okay. I am also fucking Michael Shannon. Because <laughs> you can't imagine living with him. I can't imagine living with him. As we know, my ideal marriage is one where you are not intense and always gone. <laughs> And I feel like we would get into actual fistfights if I had to marry or kill him. Like, I think he'd kill me if I tried to kill him. Right. He seems intimidating. He would succeed in killing me. So I'm just going to fuck him. I'm going to fucking run. This is going to be like a cool. I've got an intense story to tell my friends. Yeah. Goodbye. Um, Gotta fuck Michael Shannon. Now, I am going to marry Michael J. Fox Mm. for the reasons based on the guidelines I've already set out. But I'm going with Michael J. Foss because I had a little crush on him when I was a kid. Remember that? He did that Bruce Springsteen uh, parody picture in Teen Beat or Tiger Beat where he had the Canadian flag in his pocket. Oh, oh I, I'm going to have to Google this immediately. I didn't know oh, that. Please do. Please look <laughs> this up. Also, I got to say, if I marry Michael J. Fox, I'm six feet tall. We are going to be the funniest looking couple that has mm-hmm. ever existed. <laughs> I will do it for the joke. <laughs> I will do it yeah. for the visual joke of marrying Michael J. Fox. And Michael Caine, I'm going to kill because I think it'd be easy. Like a yeah. pillow over the face. Like there's not much of a struggle. Oh my mm-hmm. God. I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it would be like, I wouldn't have to plan. I could just do it on a whim. Yeah. Easy. You could blow him over. You could push him over. Just push him out of a chair and he's gone. He's done. He's done. Like a hip break, it would not take much. So for, for a very ageist and terrible reason, <laughs> I'm going to kill Michael Caine, fuck Michael Shannon, and marry Michael J. Fox. This is very thought out, Danielle. I got you gotta give yourself a little credit. You're like, oh, I'm off the rip. I'm just doing it off the rip. But no, you that you thought about that one. I thought about it and it has revealed things about myself that I'm not sure I like, but <laughs> sometimes that's what the FMK is for. That's right. That's right. It is a mirror. It is a mirror to the personality. It's the truest mirror <laughs> to your soul. Now, this next round is going to fuck me up. I don't know about y'all, but it's it's already fucking me up. Yeah, this is a this is a big one. All right. So, make it count. Last round here. We've got <laughs> FMK, Fuck Mary Kill, Anthony Michael Hall, Anthony Perkins, and Anthony Hopkins. Mm. Oof. All right, Kurt. Oh, man. What Radio Lab episode are we applying to this one? (laughs) (laughs) The question is, is is it Anthony Michael Hall now, big, Mm. jacked up Anthony Michael Hall, or Anthony Michael Hall that we all fell in love with, right? Right, right. That's the question. Um, Also, in my mind, uh, I have to... When you said Anthony Perkins, I pictured Anthony Hopkins, and then you said Anthony <laughs> Hopkins, and I was like, oh no, who's Anthony Perkins? All right, let's see. Again, oh, oh yeah, okay. Oh God. Star of Psycho, Anthony Perkins, right? Ah, he played Norman Bates. Yes. Okay. Well, th- he's a very attractive man. He really is. And I, I would yeah. posit we go with Anthony Michael Hall as he is now. 
okay, Anthony Michael Hall as he is now. Yeah. And also Ooh. I need to point out that Anthony Perkins is already deceased. So yeah. I don't I don't want to influence you guys, but I'm just saying either we're going to have to imagine, you know, imagine I mean? he's alive. Yeah, you could dig him up and do stuff with his bones in this round. Like, that's not <laughs> awesome. <laughs> You're saying you can fuck him. Is you right? can fuck him. You can fuck like, him or you can dig him up and break his femur. Like, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Desecrate his body. What am I? <laughs> why am I so awful today? <laughs> desecrate the body of this beloved film star (laughs) i think okay so here's what i'm gonna go for i'm gonna go to marry anthony michael hall okay Mm, wow because i feel like he's humble uh he's been humbled by his 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 current life And he would probably be a nicer guy. He'd be a nice guy at this point. Mm-hmm. Also, I've and like because you know he's a child, a kind of child star. Right. So then pro- he probably got awful because of that. Mm-hmm. But then he was humbled because his career kind of like halted, and he just started working out a lot. And uh, he could protect me. Uh, he could carry me around places. That would be great. I feel like Anthony Michael Hall could just carry me places, which would be very funny to see a six foot four man be carried into a room. And I'd be like, this is my husband, Anthony Michael Hall. I primarily use him for transport. Are we thinking like a cradling or like a backpack, like a backpack ride? Cradling. Okay. Of yeah, course. Cradling. Definitely, definitely funnier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely funnier. And I would like direct him like over there, Mike Anthony. <laughs> and you know, he would walk me over to like the dip the dips at a party and then I could get some. But I would always stay in his arms. And that's like he would um and then I would uh I guess I would <laughs> I would fuck Anthony Hopkins <laughs> into dust. I would fuck him into dust. Because he seems like right on the verge of becoming dust right now. So I would fuck him into dust and it would just, and that, because that would be an experience. You know, you've never done that. Nobody's ever done that. Uh, and then I, I guess I kill Anthony Perkins. I cannot move on. I cannot move on. Holy shit. So many, so many questions. So many questions. <laughs> And yet it makes perfect sense. <laughs> this answer makes perfect sense. Who doesn't want to be cradled by Anthony Michael Hall over to a dip station? <laughs> Fuck him into dust. Yes. <laughs> and what a way to go. That, I mean. If that doesn't enter the lexicon in any way, I will be fucking pissed. Furious. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, I, I can't recover, but I will try <laughs> so that I can hear Millie's answers. Okay. Oh, my God. I don't even know what to say. That was incredible, Kurt. Um, <laughs> I have, like, actual tears forming under my eyes. I can't believe yeah. it. Um, all right. So this is tough. This is a little tough for me because, you know, it always is tough. But this one is actually tough because the stakes seem very high, and I don't really know why. So I will say this. I would fuck Anthony Perkins. And I think it's because I I always like low-key had a crush on Norman Bates, just like other girl, every other girl I've ever met who loves a spooky dude, right? A yep. spooky weird dude. Norman <laughs> Bates is the prototype for that. Uh, Absolutely. So, and I, for not for nothing, I actually did read Anthony Perkins' biography like a long time ago, and he liked to get down. I'm just saying, I from well, what I've say read- Say more about that. 
He liked yeah. to get down. Oh yeah, no, he was like, he was out there. He, in class, <laughs> in classic Hollywood, he was out there. If you know what I mean, like this was tough. Um, but I'm gonna have to go along with Kurt. I'm gonna marry Anthony Michael Hall. Wow. Yes, and <laughs> and it's it, and I just I think it is that thing where it's like. Even in his young period, I'm like, he's funny. We could have a great time. Like, he's sarcastic. We'd have, like, a lot of laughs together. But if we were going, like, older, I would like to be carried as well. Like, <laughs> Solid. He's a gym bro. He's a he's gym bro. He's a gym bro, exactly. You could live together. <laughs> yeah. He was in the second to the last Halloween movie. So, hey, I mean, he's he's out there, too. So I'm, I'll marry him. And then I would kill Anthony Hopkins. And I, I, I guess it's because I'm always going to think that he's a serial killer. And mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't help it. I will yep. always think he's a serial killer. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's too, he's too good an actor, so he has to go. <laughs> he has to die. He's been, he's been a serial killer his entire life. So um, I, I've always wondered about that because that fa- the famous scene from Silence of the Lambs where he's for some reason on like a hand cart. <laughs> <laughs> and I always was just like, this was, th- there is no prison that has a hand cart for prisoners. Do you know? There is, it just, it can't possibly exist in the real world. And it was just an invention of a screenplay writer's like, well, they're on, he's on a hand cart. He's all wrapped up. And then they, they wheel him around places. <laughs> But we also have to give him that, like, Iron Maiden album cover mask. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Truly, the handcart is such a demoralizing transportation method for a fucking serial killer that I actually love it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Also, the least least functional from the position of the person pushing the handcart. Like, if they move their weight in any way, they're going to topple over. They would just strap them to a bed that has wheels and roll them around, because those exist already. They already existed. I next time I watch Silence of the Lambs, I'm going to pay attention to the per- to the person pushing the cart. What is that? Per- what is that actor story? What is that character's story? Imagine that character going home from work and his kids have like just the place is mayhem, toys everywhere. He's stepping on Legos, and then his partner's like, well, "What did you do today? I had to push around a fucking serial killer on a handcart. <laughs> just let me go have this beer in the garage and give me ten minutes." <laughs> oh my god! Uh, they so couldn't funny. figure out any other way. Look, you guys are—I mean, these answers are golden, clearly. Well, what do you and, got? Uh, now? I gotta know. Well, I'm gonna tell you. And it's might it might cancel out something I said in the last round, but I'm going with it. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna fuck Anthony Hopkins because again, I like a story. Everybody's fucking Anthony Hopkins. We gotta fuck Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> when, this, when are you gonna get another chance? You gotta do is... it. Have you seen his Instagrams? The man is hilarious. <laughs> Wait, Anthony Hopkins is on Instagram? Yes. What? <laughs> Yes, and he is hilarious and just he's now he's less serial killer now he's got like the short gray kind of spiky crew cut and he's just out here in caftans telling jokes and I'm like please wow. let me be part of that oh, I'm, story. I'll do it. I'll follow that guy. Absolutely. Wow. Like he he's dancing around, he's lip syncing, he's doing it all. He's a funny grandpa and I am now aging into the part of my life where I will fuck <laughs> a funny grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm down. <laughs> I'll fuck the funny grandpa. That's something I haven't done before. Let's try it. Let's let me oh, edge into so the next part of my life is what I'm thinking in this round. <laughs> now, I'm going to marry Anthony Perkins. Okay. Because I think that he he is adorable mm-hmm. and he's tall. Mm-hmm. And again, he was queer. So I probably, you know, it would be a, a marriage of convenience. Sure. For both oh, of absolutely. Us. Yep. As we know, I'm like, you go out with your boyfriend tonight. I'm going to stay in and do the crossword. Yeah. This is all I want out of a marriage in every round is leave me alone. Who's going to leave me alone the most? And I think a queer man with a secret love yeah. is the, the best option for that. Yeah. So you go have your fun. Go do your Hollywood shit. I'm going to stay here and cook some white bean soup. You're just going to, you're going to Rhaenyra it. I'm Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, in the last round, I said I would kill Michael Caine because it would be easy. In this round, I'm saying yeah. I'm going to kill Anthony Michael Hall because I think it would be a good fight. Ooh. It would be hard. It would be <laughs> difficult to do. It would be an accomplishment. It would be like a real, it would be a notch on my fucking belt if I could kill Anthony Michael Hall. If I could just physically do it. Do you think it would be like an MMA thing? He 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 seems Absolutely. like he maybe dabbles in that world, just body type wise. I'm like, he looks like an MMA kind of fighter guy. 100%. I think it would be like, you know, those um, when they used to have like the, that cage and then like two motorcycle riders would be running around <laughs> the inside of it, <laughs> like going up the walls and doing loop to loops and shit. It would be like that kind of event. Yeah. With a mach- you both have machetes and you're <laughs> but, inside. <laughs> we both pick from a pile of weapons. <laughs> I grab a machete. He grabs like a, um, what's the stick with the ball and the spikes on it? Oh, like a, what do you call it? It's like a medieval, yeah. tur- not a turret, but you know, it's one of those. I, I know Absolutely. what you mean. Absolutely. And we just keep grabbing weapons. Like each round is a different leveling up of weapons. I think <laughs> one of us is coming out of there minus a limb. <laughs> and in, since this is my FMK round, I'm clearly going to win. So it's really just about like how awful and and beat down can I make Anthony Michael Hall look at the end of this? Dude, I would order that pay-per-view so fast or whatever it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Fathom event or whatever. I would go and see that in the theaters. Oh, my God. It would be worth it. It would be a good show. They'd be yeah. like, look at this lady just absolutely going to town on my Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> <laughs> who we loved in the 80s, who we loved in 16 Candles, <laughs> who we absolutely adored in all of these movies. And she's that's who she's killed. That's what people are going to see in this event. They're not going to see me beating up the jacked Anthony Michael Hall. They'll be like, you're killing that little kid with braces from The Breakfast Club. That would be very funny if that was who he fought <laughs> in this crazy style. It was the 18-year-old version. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when... Do you remember the moment that you saw him jacked for the first time? Because I feel oh, like yeah. it was maybe in Edward Scissorhands or something Absolutely. where I was like, holy shit. Like, he's been to the gym and he's wearing like a letterman's jacket and shit. And I was like, yep. I don't know what happened. Like, wow. It was truly confounding and yeah. kind of was hard to focus on the movie after that. <laughs> like, wait, can we go back to the part where Anthony Michael Hall is now a monster? <laughs> And the bully, and the bully and of the bully, movie. And a bully, and a bully. Yeah. I guess that's the main thing that I remember him from is Edward Scissorhands, because my in my mind, he's always wearing a letterman's jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And I didn't realize that that was the image came from that movie, but you're 100% right. And then he did the de- the Dead Zone TV show. That's right. Mm-hmm. He did. He, bul- he, he is a bulky, like, ESP-having motherfucker in the Dead Zone. But he just bulked up so insanely. And what, to me, felt like so fast because we hadn't seen him since yeah. the 80s. And then he came out in Edward Scissorhands. And I, from that moment on, I knew I'd have to fight him and kill him. <laughs> <laughs> like, one day... <laughs> Get him in the cross. We're gonna get one of these MK rounds, and I'm gonna take him down. Holy shit! <laughs> well, I don't know what to say. That was epic. That was an epic FMK was email. One. Dana, thank you. Um, thank you, Dana. And truly, you do know what goes into a good FMK round. It is things like this. Like I love a theme. I love a same name actor. Yeah. Halloween, like whatever it is. If you're at a loss, just go pick a theme and go with it. Yeah. <laughs> But Kurt, I want to ask you a little bit about, can I, oh, I got, we got to talk to you about this because I saw Barbarian, mm-hmm. the, the I, what I think probably was the most talked about film of the Halloween season, you know, and I remember watching the movie and I had no idea what it was about. Like, at all. I actually thought it might have been about Code and the Barbarian and I was like, I'm just going to the movies with my friends. And we uh, went to went to the movie. I had no idea what was going on, what what it was about. But then you popped up in the film, and I <laughs> screamed. I was like, "Oh my god, I know that guy!" And I was so excited to see you in that film. So, yeah, like talk about like that movie was so everybody saw that movie. Isn't it, isn't it crazy? It, it, it was very surprising how many people saw. I mean, when I read Zach had sent Zach Kreger, uh, you, you know, used to be in this group, whitest kids, you know. Um, and we used to perform together back in the day in New York City, uh, this place called Pianos. And so I've known him for a really long time. And it was just kind of out of the blue that he called me and he's like, Hey, I've got this part. It shoots in Bulgaria. Would you be able to go to Bulgaria? Wow. And I was like, I don't know. Um, and then he sent me the script and I read the script all in one sitting. And I was like, Oh, this movie's going to be a big deal. Which yeah. is so weird to read a script and know like, oh, this is going to be, this is a good movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and the original part that I had was actually much longer than the, what is actually in the movie now. It was like, a, it was kind of crazy to shoot because it was a four page monologue where I'm oh, talking shit. to Richard Brake's character yeah. for four straight pages and it was all one shot. So oh, it was wow. like this highly rehearsed thing where the camera never moved. I mean, the camera was moving the whole time, but and like followed us from the car all the way up to his house. Yeah. And it's like this whole thing where I'm essentially trying to figure out if he uh, killed our dog. And but like being very neighborly about it and not thinking that, you know, (laughs) and and it kind of ends with me realizing like. Oh, this is a bad guy. Yeah, but it's yeah. all but it's also very comedic. And I was so and I was it's a very it was a very cool scene, but of course it got it got heavily trimmed just because you know, it's part of a flashback in the third act and they just needed to maintain momentum. Yeah. And Zach uh. was very very nice about it. Um explaining he's like there's nothing to do with your performance this is just you know writing stuff yeah and you're and, like no that's um, cool i'm glad this is how we're ending our friendship because you made me <laughs> memorize a four-page monologue <laughs> well but it, it was like it was even whatever happened it was you're the character because you're so tense in that entire movie and listen i'm not going to give away anything about it because i went into it blind and everybody who hasn't seen it should just watch it without knowing anything about it because it's perfect. Yeah. Um, but your character is the one 
time that I felt relaxed because I was like, oh, the name, like you're this neighbor that's kind of coming in from this like normal world or whatever. Because yes. everything else is so chaotic and scary. And so when I saw you, it was like two things. Like, A, I think I know that guy. And B, thank God he's here because it's, <laughs> I need a break, you know? I mean, the mustache is a little, like, you're like, I don't know. Is that who I, is that Kurt? <laughs> yes, it is. It is. <laughs> the mustache is very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very specific look for me. <laughs> it definitely takes you into a place of like, oh, you are like an, you can act in any era. Like once you have a mustache. <laughs> once with that mustache, yeah. It's easy. It works. If you twirl it up, it's the 20s. Absolutely. If you cut it a little short, it's the 70s. You, you're good to go. I was astonished. I'm like, wait, a mustache just changes the game for this actor <laughs> Kurt's acting career. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> oh, everyone, please go see, like, see Barbarian. But also, I'm going to say this again. I've watched your new special at least four times. I oh. absolutely loved it. Perfectly stupid. Go ahead and rent it. Go ahead and watch it. It is so goddamn funny, Kurt. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, do you know when this is going to come out? This comes out on the 8th of November. Okay, so, so it'll the 8th be of November. So it will currently be on moment.co. So you Excellent. can go and it'll be there for um, probably in one more week. So you have about a week to go watch it on moment.co. Oh, it's 10 bucks. And this is, it's kind of like a site that allows, you know, people to kind of like get their stuff directly to fans. Um, and then after that, it will uh, go up on like all your video on demand sites, but it'll be more expensive because they take a big cut. So absolutely. Um, it'll be on like iTunes and Amazon and everything. But go right now and watch it on moment.co. And support something that is giving things directly to fans. I love that. That is yeah, the world I think we're it's in. really cool. It's, uh, it's so good. It's so funny. I just think you are like just your cadence and everything about like you're you're definitely a master joke teller that is not even in question but the, the presentation of how you're telling these jokes and the world that you are creating for us is just nonstop laughter like i don't no. think i stopped laughing once i caught my breath once and then i was like nope i'm back at it <laughs> thank you just thank you dream, the exact kind of thing i love to watch with with comedy and i think you're great at it and i want no. everyone to just go and rent this and buy it and watch it and just be part of it because we're going to be yeah. talking about it for a long time. Well, I appreciate that. I'm very proud of it. And so I'm yeah. excited for people to see it. Oh, you should be. Yes. Holy shit. Well, I want you to do another special immediately so you can come back. But you can come back anytime. You don't have to have anything to plug. You can just come back and do some FMKs with us anytime. Yeah. I will. I would love to. Thank you you're, so you're much. You're now a, a friend of the pod. Second, second yeah. time. Yeah. FOP. <laughs> <laughs> and also, please listen to Bananas. Are you not listening to Bananas already? I mean, come on. They are. They definitely are. Because we they talk about them all are. the time. <laughs> they definitely are. But if you are a straggler for, for any stretch of the imagination, if there's any reason why you haven't yet, please listen to Bananas. It is so funny. Just just the most gentle and hilarious entry point to your week. Anytime yeah. you listen to it. And we guys, ha we have to have you guys back on soon. Oh, we'll make it happen that. in the next month. Yeah. I'm free and free and clear. I am here Sweet. and I would love it. You guys yes. are just, right. again, the best, best in the biz. <laughs> 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 well, thank you, Kurt, so much for coming and doing Thanks, this Kurt. with us. And 
uh, just go do some more. Get that mustache going. Do some more weird movies. <laughs> All right. I'm ready to do it. Thanks, I'm into y'all. It. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, I love Kurt to bits. That was so good. Yeah, he's he is the king among men. I'm so glad we got to talk to him about these FMKs. Honestly, they're like my favorite things to do. I, I, Truly. I feel like we uh, have found the thing that we love and we, <laughs> our lives. It'll be our life's passion now. <laughs> I mean, it it could or should be a podcast. I don't know if anyone has done that yet, but maybe we pivot. Wait, listen, stop talking now. Let's mail this idea to ourselves so we have the copyright. Ah! <laughs> like, come on. All right, I'm email- hang on, let me email this to ourselves. Yes. Beep, 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 beep. Make sure the date and time is on there so that nobody can fucking steal it from us. Um, Holy shit, I'm doing it. Okay, listen. This week, this theme, I am so excited to do it because I feel like we are going to really crack you wide open. I cannot wait okay. to get inside and find out what the fuck is going on. Do you want to tell them what the theme is this week? I do because I have so much to explain and okay. it is a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> so much. To, I should have my therapist here during this recording. <laughs> Let's get her on the phone case. Let's just put her on on a hold in case we need Let's her. Just, I'll pop her into it. She can camera off it on the Zoom. Yes. But she needs to hear this shit. I, I mean, I'm glad it's being recorded so I can just say, listen to this. This is what we're talking about next week. Um, our theme this week is finally, I feel like we've been tiptoeing up to it for two years. <laughs> our theme this week is horny for Kevin Klein. Wow. We did it. We got now, listen, there. I'm proud of us, but I also have two advanced apologies to give oh my god (laughs) one as per usual because we pulled back on some of the horny material because it just is i i think of the family (laughs) so i apologize in advance to kevin klein phoebe cates and their whole family yes because i am going to talk about how hot your dad is if there are any members of the klein family listening i would maybe skip I would skip, maybe. Yeah. You don't have to listen to this episode. We understand. (laughs) I respect and adore you all, but I am going to talk about how hot your dad is for like an hour. Now, okay. To give a little little reference for maybe folks that are recent listeners of the podcast, there was an episode a long time ago where Danielle revealed that Kevin Klein was responsible for her sexual awakening as a young girl and this has come up many other times we've talked about kevin klein movies on this podcast before but i just really want to know the story i want to know like where were you how like give us give us that kind of overview of like how this happened i'm gonna tell you but i also want to give another apology oh 
already another apology. I had two. I had two ready to go. <laughs> so I specifically want to apologize to you for making you watch the movie I picked. <laughs> but my reasoning is it is where I found him the hottest. And that is what this show is about. That is what this theme is about. I could have picked. I know you're already. Look, calm down your emailing fingers. I know you're already writing in and saying he was hotter in French Kiss. He was hotter in this. This is a very specific to me episode. Yeah. You just have to get on board. And I apologize to you for making you watch this film. Like hereditary level apologize. <laughs> Border okay. level apologize. I will accept your apology. <laughs> Thank you. But I but so you're telling me right now that this movie, your movie for this week, was the absolute like this was the flashpoint moment. There wasn't you had never noticed him like before this or what? Yeah. I had wow. known who he was. I'd okay. seen him in films before. Okay. This film was the, oh, I want that in my life moment. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Like I said, call Donna, get my therapist on the phone. <laughs> this was it. And here's why. For several reasons I'll get into when we talk about my film. But primary amongst them, a little bit of gray, a little bit of gross, and... <laughs> Very funny, very funny, but also they are a little artistic. Yes. They have a cute little hat. He's a New York dude. Yep. Like it all fit. It all just made sense in my little brain. I salute you for that because I, as we, you're going first this week, I we're, I'm sure we're going to talk about it. Um, but when I saw that, because I've never seen this movie before. Right. In no fact, one has. No one has. I, yeah. I don't even think I've heard of it before to be honest. And so I was like, ooh, a new wash. I always love when that happens. And then I was like, as the movie revealed itself, I was like, oh, I <laughs> see. Because not knowing you, I was like, oh, here's a guy in New York wearing like a trench coat. And like, I was like, that hair, that mustache. I was like, oh, this is now making sense to me. I mean, right? I'm not going to say it is a typical crush for like, a young girl, <laughs> which I, <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like, look, I'm out here crushing on Jordan, on Jonathan Knight, and you're yeah. crushing on Kevin Klein. He was already in his 40s. <laughs> he was already in his 40s when I was like, yep, that's the dude for me. It just made me love you even more. Like this, this whole thing, this whole, the journey to this episode has I've, I've thought about it often, and it makes me love you even more that you had your sexual awakening to Kevin Klein, And I just love that now we get to talk about it and really pick at it. Uh, because you're going first this week, and like this, this is it. This is the moment, folks. This is the moment. And Huge. this is also, unfortunately, a moment where... Third apology. Third secret <laughs> oh, apology. <God>. <laughs> <laughs> because I, it dawned on me this morning that... I don't know if you've if you've um you've been going to the movies a lot more than me. I've still I've not gone to a theater. Yeah. But I've you know, I've still rent movies and, and stuff. But yeah. There is a movie out that just came out this year called Funny Pages that was directed by Owen Klein, Kevin Klein's son. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've heard of it. And it is great. It is great. And I now he wrote and directed this film. Wow. And I now feel like we can never have him on the show. Well, no. Duh. 
So apologies to you and him, because I would love to talk with him about being a filmmaker in his own right. And we have, for the length of this podcast, have shot that out of the wall. Like, we can never do that now. No, we're going to have to pull it back in. Uh, as, as much as that would be so awesome to have him on, we can't do it because this episode will exist. It so. will be out there <laughs> in these streets <laughs> in perpetuity. Yeah. But please go see the movie because the movie is great. And it's an A24 film and he's a great writer, a great director. Yeah. And just truly seems like a very wonderful and well-adjusted and great human being um, <laughs> who's incredibly creative and who has two of the hottest parents that the world could have. I mean, it's true. He probably knows that about himself. I certainly would if I was in his position. But I'm still not listening to an episode where you're about to talk about how you want to fuck my dad. So that's Thank I'm you. just saying. I'm just that's saying. why I'm apologizing. Now we can never talk to him on the show. <laughs> Maybe we can get him on our new podcast, Fuck Mary Kill. Oh yes. We could definitely do that. But this one, not a but chance. This one's out. This film podcast, we cannot talk to a filmmaker because of what <laughs> I'm about to say. I also fourth apology. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep coming. Yeah. They just keep coming. I'm going to apologize to my future career. Oh. Mm. As a, a screenwriter. Sure. Um, because I'm also now taking myself out of the running for working with anyone in this family. <laughs> <laughs> this is the moment where it all went south for you. Yeah. Um, this is your E! True Hollywood Story moment. This is when everything fell apart. <laughs> this is my, it was a house of horrors that turned into a house of horrors. <laughs> see DeVille moment. <laughs> it was a house of horrors that turned into a house of horrors. And you're like, wait, did you just say two different words? <laughs> Who could say? C.C. DeVille is, uh, <laughs> is uh, uh, in- hard, hard to say if whether or not he meant what we thought he meant um rest in peace king he's still alive but rest in peace king for that moment (laughs) he died in 89 and (laughs) no one knew so uh (laughs) oh god so yeah apologies all around the family to you to my future career to owen klein like just apologies before i now say what i really want to say which is that kevin klein is the hottest goddamn low-key actor (laughs) america has to offer and he has been forever and it's time to appreciate that we love it we love it so we're gonna jump in with my film which was released in 1989 it was directed by pat o'connor the screenplay is by john patrick shanley and my movie is the january man i'll tell you what i do want all reports background of any kind on every one of the murders i don't work for you you work for me get it okay (laughs) One sentence synopsis. Kevin Klein has never been hotter. That's the one sentence. (laughs) I mean, honestly, that is about as good as you can get with this film. (laughs) The the real synopsis. That's my one sentence. The real synopsis is this is a film about a disgraced New York police officer. Uh, His brother is the commissioner. His brother is also Harvey Keitel. We'll get into it. Sure. Um, a disgraced New York City police detective is pulled back into the job when someone starts strangling women with a blue ribbon. Mm. Now, again, this movie is off the chain for so many. It was it was hard in the 80s to make, like, it's a real crapshoot in the 80s, like, to talk about an 80s film because, you know, sometimes you get a stunner, yeah. Godfather 2, and sometimes you get like a, we're trying to do everything at once, which is this movie. 
And it still works for me. And I've still seen it many times. I, I guess I'm trying to... I need to ask you right off the bat just to be able to follow you for the rest of this episode. <laughs> how the hell did you find this movie? Like, did you, was this like an HBO thing? Like, how did you discover this? Oh, girl, this was a video video store rental. Wow. The cover. Yes. The cover sucked me in. He's in a trench coat and he's like holding the badge and he's got the hair and the cute face. And I was like, I do not know what this is. This was the beauty of the video store. I Ugh. don't know what this is. Yeah. For $3, I'm going to give it a shot. I don't think, listen, I mean, I don't know if younger people even have a comprehension of what it was like to browse the covers of VHS tapes at like Blockbuster or mm. your local video store. That was truly it. Like the cover was yes. like, if it if it had a, uh, if it was evocative enough and it was like interesting enough, you would watch literally any goddamn movie. Like it just had to be about that cover. How do you think I ended up watching Alice when I was like eight? Because Mia Farrow's on the cover looked like a black background looking like a fucking creep. <laughs> with that and hat. And I'm like, I don't know what this is about with that hat. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm nine. I'm getting this. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So it was just you browsing the video store, seeing this cover of January Man and being like, this is the movie for me. <laughs> this is it. This wow. is the one for me. Okay. okay. And I'm like, I loved, a, I loved a crime movie. I loved a comedy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this has the makings, seems like, from the box of all of this. Yeah. Okay. Loved a, I loved Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio with that natural curly hair. Mm. she's not taking any kind of flat iron situation to that it's the 80s you get what you get she might yeah. have permed it even more to bring out the curl i mean with okay first of all i i had never heard of this movie like you said i had to go on a fucking deep research hole because you know how it is like i don't i don't know this movie from anything and then i'm like now i gotta stay up all night and read about it and look everybody up and i didn't realize that she was uh, the woman from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. Right? She's the, yeah, she, and the Abyss. Yes, and the Abyss. And so I was yes. like, where do I know her from? And then I made the connection. And then also, not for nothing, her character is supposed to be 23 years old in this movie. Yes. Again, the 80s will do everything. They're like, we're just going to do it. You cannot stop. It's unstoppable decade. <laughs> An absolutely unstoppable, unstoppable decade. Yeah. Now, there are incredible actors in this film. Um, it is, you've got Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Harvey Keitel plays Frank Starkey, who is mm -hmm. Kevin Klein's brother in this, Nick Starkey's brother. Rod Steiger, who yes. I am going to say now does a style of acting that I call MF acting. And that does not stand for motherfucker. That stands for myocardial infarction action, acting. Because <laughs> this motherfucker acts like he's about to have a heart attack every time he opens his mouth. He and Danny Aiello enter screaming. Every scene, just enter, like, red face. I think we saw one of his eyes become bloodshot in a scene. <laughs> it is myo... It, and it's like, you know, myocardial... It should be MI acting. No, it's myocardial infarction acting. Like, you gotta emphasize that F. It yes. is MF acting. Every man in this film, with the exception of the great Alan Rickman, yeah. is shouting all the time. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, Danny Aiello and Rod Steiger both screaming, bursting blood vessels in their eyeballs. Like, it was a joy. And that was my favorite part of the movie, besides Alan Rickman, as you said. 
That is a new kink for for a lot of people. <laughs> a very specific new kink. Look, you know me, I love like those weird old 70s movies where like crime bosses are yelling at people and <laughs> I, I'm there. I'm I'm with you. I'm like I love a old screaming guy, police chief, fire chief, district attorney, like any kind of like old man with like a with like a a huge gruffy like fucking yelling cussing New York guy. Love it. Oh hell yeah, yellow teeth all crooked and like just you feel like <laughs> something is going. It looks like something's gonna pop out of them some, and you don't know where from what orifice it will it will eject. Yes, but they are just sh- just enter screaming yes. every scene. It is unbelievable. So now the premise of this film in the beginning we see. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio's character, Bernadette, um, going out with her friend on New Year's Eve. Um, she is the daughter of the mayor, who is played by Rod Steiger. And her friend Allison is like this heiress, um, played by Faye Grant. And she kind of takes her home in a cab. And then Allison goes upstairs to her beautiful apartment and is murdered. And then as the movie unfolds, you're like, okay, this is happening a lot there's a different woman being murdered every month by the same guy they can't catch him the police are pissed off everyone's up in arms and when it happens to someone that is so close to the mayor to the mayor's daughter that's when he's like all right we got to do something about this right also want to take a moment to pause here and say that this screenplay was written by john patrick shanley who we have talked about before yes because he wrote moonstruck then he wrote another movie called five corners i believe then he wrote this movie, and then he wrote Joe versus the Volcano and Dow and a million other movies that went on to be like award-winning. Yeah. Films. So sometimes you have to get things out of your system before you can reach greatness. I'm just saying. <laughs> this is like a, a, a workshop era for him, maybe. Yes. We'll say. <laughs> yes, he was like in a loft with the like St. Elmo's Fires curtains blowing <laughs> and a porcelain clown head behind him. <laughs> It was the 80s. Um, But then right after this, he released Joe versus the Volcano. So I'm just saying. Yeah. Working through some shit in this one. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've got this strangler who's killed like 11 women. And Rod Steiger is having a stroke in every scene, yelling things like, I don't give a rusty fuck. Just go find him. (laughs) Danny Aiello is a police chief, but... Harvey Keitel, Frank St- Frank Starkey, is the police commissioner. Mm-hmm. And Rod's, the mayor just yells at him, we got to get your brother. We got to get your brother back. So as the movie unfolds, you realize, oh, Nick Starkey, this Kevin Klein character, used to be a police officer. And then he was booted for some reason that they kind of never get to. Mm. Yes. <laughs> they never truly reveal, but he took the fall for his brother, who now is not only the police commissioner, but also married Nick's ex-girlfriend, Susan Sarandon. Right. It's a mess. It's a mess. So when you first see Kevin Klein in this movie, he is now a firefighter. And the first time you see him, he is leaping out of a burning building carrying a smoke-filled toddler. And he is filthy. He is covered in soot. Mm-hmm. He has kind of longish hair that's a little bit gray. He's got the mustache. And I was in from that moment on. <laughs> like, this guy's hot. He's hot. 
I don't like firefighters. I'm not that motherfucker who's got like the firefighter calendar. I don't like a squeaky muscle. I like a lean, weird firefighter. <laughs> Give me a Steve Buscemi. Give me a Kevin <laughs> Klein in the January, man. I don't know what it's about and I refuse to interrogate it, but I was in from this moment on. He looks so hot in this reveal. I mean, the thing he does, like what he has to give this little girl mouth to mouth because she's got (laughs) smoke inhalation. And then after she comes to, he gives her a little kiss on the forehead. I was like, that's sweet. And then I thought maybe that's the moment Danielle imprinted on. Like she's like, oh, here's this like hot mustache firefighter that just saved me. And he gives me a little kiss on the forehead. Yeah, so jealous of this little motherfucker. <laughs> I just can't believe that that is it. Like, you're like, that's it. Oh, that's yeah. all it takes. I'm a very simple bitch. That's all it took <laughs> for me to be in for life with Kevin Klein. <laughs> wow. This is fascinating oh news. Oh, my God. There, he's gentle, and yet he's reckless. Like, firefighting is just reckless in general. Oh, yeah. You're running into a burning building. He's a reckless, gentle dude. That cemented it for me. It has explained more about my dating life than I care to admit. Well, and like part of the movie too that was a little question mark for me was this idea that he was a disgraced police officer, but then he was allowed to become a firefighter. Isn't that still oh, like yeah. a government job? Yeah. That's <laughs> like I I went down that's the rabbit hole I went down where I'm like, let me get make this my intellectual hobby for the night. How? And it happens a lot. Weirdly, like police officers become firefighters and vice versa. I guess they figure like, eh, we're all fighting the same assholes. Your asshole lights stuff on fire. My asshole's a serial killer. I can't think of two more disparate uh, jobs where people like absolutely love and absolutely hate. Do you know what Thank I'm saying? You. It's like, absolutely. Everybody loves a fucking firefighter. No one has ever talked shit about a firefighter. Meanwhile, no. a cop. I mean, we've been alive for the past few years. We know what's up. <laughs> but like, you've left the worst behind to be, and now you're fixing the problem. Yeah. By being this like all out amazing person. Yeah. So in that way, it feels like Nick Starkey leveled up. I mean, if he like, yeah. if he was like, I'm a disgraced cop that becomes a firefighter. It's like, well, cool. I mean, like, you yeah, now you got the good job. So I'm still helping people. Yeah. And I'm helping people in an extreme way that fits my whole steez yeah and i look hot while i'm doing it he's got the brightest eyes he's got the smoke i mean it's just all there just even if you don't watch the whole film please watch his entry please watch that scene and tell me you don't see it too yeah tell tell him that after he busts down a fence is that what he just like (laughs) jumps out of a fence I'm just saying, if I see him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the upcoming future, I'm not mad at it. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Very interesting that this was the moment, but, you know. This was, and again, the longish hair. I go back to my first age-appropriate crush. Same thing. Long, dark, longish dark hair, like shoulder-length mm. dark hair, bright eyes. Yeah. Could not grow a mustache because he was a teenager. Sure. But same, like, tall gangly weirdo yeah yeah it cemented itself i don't know why we this is it's like the deep work you have to do when you have a lot of like you have enough money to go to esalen or like you have like that's when you do that work (laughs) like i'm gonna go on a retreat and really dig down (laughs) okay and instead of doing that i just have this podcast so 
Listen, if Esalen doesn't allow the, you and I to teach a week-long workshop about working through weird crushes, then they're missing an opportunity as far as I'm concerned. So They're missing a cash cow, a yeah. pure cash cow. So that's the first time you see him. And then the thing that also really got me about him in this film is he goes home like he we're not going to talk about the plot too much because again this movie is just a vehicle for hotness for me but the (laughs) plot is wild yeah it is wild and all over the place there is a scene where he goes home and at first i'm like oh is alan rickman his roommate no alan rickman plays his weird painter neighbor ed who uses his apartment to stage his his still lifes and he works with models and he just uses Nick's apartment in that way. And I love a New York setup like that where it's like as a kid even, I was like, this is also admirable to me that you would have a neighbor that you're close enough with to like, he'll he'll use your apartment. You'll come home and find like a weird naked lady on your couch and a kitten. Yeah. And, a, and you have a parrot. It just signaled to me this is like an artistic New York existence that's possible. Yeah, and that everybody leaves their door open. It's very much like a, it's almost like a Seinfeldian moment of like Kramer just being able to come over and use the apartment whenever he wants to type of scenario, right? Totally. And Alan Rickman is awesome in this movie. Yeah. He is so funny. Yeah. At one point when they're going, like they're starting to talk and he turns to the the model that's on the couch and he goes, just just languish there, darling. Don't molest anything. <laughs> <laughs> His yeah. one-liners are off the chain. Um, it is so great to see him again. And even these smaller roles before he became like the great Alan Rickman. Right. Um, he was always funny and rest in peace, King. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, this is also the second moment where we get to see a hot Kevin Klein. So he's got that weird little wool cap on that was so present in the 80s and 90s. Mm. And I think... If you don't know what I'm talking about, reference Jim Trufrost in Singles. He wears that hat. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of a rolled up hat. It's not a knit hat. It's a wool hat. Yeah. Kevin Klein's wearing one, hair poking out the, the, the back. He's walking in sneakers and corduroy pants and like a mock turtleneck. I'm just into this whole look. Yeah. It's kind of like a... God, how do I describe it? It's like... <sighs> to me, that look is like a, it's, it seems like a downtown New York bohemian look. It's kind of like a little like pre-grungy, but then like artsy. Like, yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like definitely a late 80s. Like, I'm an artist living in downtown New York City, maybe like in a loft, an industrial loft. And totally, you know, it works for me. And this is also the biggest bone of contention that Danny Aiello's character has with Nick Starkey is he calls him a beatnik. Mm. He's like, that guy's not a cop. He's a beatnik. Interesting. A beatnik cop. Yeah. Mm. Again, the 80s. You can't stop the 80s. (laughs) They'll give you a beatnik cop and somehow try to make that make sense. (laughs) To his credit, he was a detective, but still. Sure. So Rod Steiger's acting and stroking out. Nick is like, you know, talking to his brother who's like, you got to come back and help us solve this crime. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. But only on one condition. And that condition is I get to make dinner for your wife, my former girlfriend, Mm. Christine, played by Susan Sarandon. That's right. And this dinner is a fucking disaster. He makes octopus and oysters 
<laughs> and this was uh, just just to place this at a time. This is a, 1989. This is a time when balsamic vinegar was a delicacy. Yes. Oof. Like that was not a common cooking item the way it is now. <laughs> it was a <laughs> delicacy. And she's choking her way through this meal. He looks so cute in this apartment. During this, while he's cooking, he's shucking oysters. I mean, does that not scream sexual issues for Danielle for the rest of her life? <laughs> the whole scene is designed to make me have problems. The whole scene. I feel like I'm getting to know you even more than ever in this moment. <laughs> What we're oy- so oysters. Well, okay, oysters are clearly like uh, they're linked to uh, horniness. Yes, like, and so you're saying that like you, the simple act of Kevin Klein eating seafood in his apartment with another woman was like sexually titillating to you. Oh, not even subliminally. <laughs> like him shucking an oyster. I'm like, what's that all about? I didn't even know that oysters were connected to sex in any way when I watched this film as a child. That's how powerful his heat is. I'm like, I get it. I get it. I'm there. I don't know what I'm getting, but I get it. And I just wanted to be at that dinner table. Wow. And I couldn't understand why they weren't kissing the whole time. Wow. It's so funny because I have a completely different view of oysters. And I think it's just because I I grew up in... Ah! South Carolina, which we'll we'll talk about in my movie for sure, but like <laughs> both my parents both used to buy like giant five gallon bushels of oysters and just shuck them in our garage. Oh my god! <laughs> so I'm like, I I don't think of that sexually at all. Like I'm like an oyster is something that my parents are like fucking in the garage eating pound for pound. For you, oysters symbolize child labor and yes. <laughs> like cleaning up a garage. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, hang on, let me get this squirrel out of my wall. Hang on. Yeah, bitch, get out of there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't disturb this groove. Don't disturb this groove. This is my life now. I'm like, I'm banging a squirrel out of the wall <laughs> while talking about my deepest, longest crush <laughs> on film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But he, look, he's like, I'm going to make dinner for this woman. We're going to look at these pictures where we used to be happy and together. And now I'll work on this case. So he goes and gets his office at the the police precinct. Precinct. And <laughs> Danny Aiello screaming at him, about to have a stroke at every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, here's what I'm going to do. Here's the kind of cop I'm going to be. I'm going to bring my parrot and my kitten and Ed, Alan Rickman, into this office. Okay. I'm, I'm going to demand a computer that nobody knows how to use. And then I'll solve your fucking crime. Also... I'm going to stalk and weirdly meet uh, Bernadette at the funeral of her friend who was killed by this guy. I got to talk about this parrot. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was the 80s. But like, okay, so I was thinking about this in two different ways. Number one, I was thinking about little Danielle and thinking, oh, she would be fucking enchanted by this parrot thing. Like, she'd be like, oh, yes. my God, Kevin Klein is so sexy. And he has a parrot. I'm sold. It's borderline pirate. I'm there. Pirates of Pan's Like, I'm there. Right. And then I was thinking, what about now older, wiser Danielle? And what would happen if she 
walked into a guy's apartment and he had a parrot. And I feel like you would go running down the oh, street. I'm, I'm that, that Abe Simpson gif where he walks into the bar and then gets his hat and walks right back out. <laughs> like, I am that gif personified. I figured... I was first of all, parrots live like macaws and like certain birds live for fucking ever. <laughs> so if you're gonna date this dude, you're gonna be with that parrot for most of the rest of your natural life. <laughs> and they shit everywhere and they fucking they do learn how to talk, but they always say the weirdest, most cryptic shit. It's never like, hey, how you doing? You'll have a nice outfit. Like you have to teach it what to say. So based on what the parrot says, you know what kind of psychopath you're getting involved with. Oh my god. Because some people just teach their birds how to curse and like, you know. Oh, my God. I mean, it went from in the 80s, if you owned a parrot, you were like a lovable wackadoo. You were a right. wacky detective, a bohemian cop, if you will. Now, if you're a man who lives alone and owns a parrot, serial killer, maybe? I don't know. I don't even know. I feel like it got really dark. Parrot owners, single yeah. male parrot owners got real dark. Yeah, because they live forever and they make you weird. <laughs> the longer you have them, the weirder you get. Because this pet is like a person, basically, that is also talking to you. You're going to have something in your house that is shitting on newspaper and saying English words to you. Are you fucking out of your mind? Are you kidding me? Yeah. And then the the parrot is the one that reveals to the police that you have bodies stashed in the closet <laughs> and stuff. It's like such a dark, it's such a dark pet yeah. now to own. Yeah. The parrot's like, don't look under the bed, car. <laughs> don't check the trunk alright I just had to get a download on this parrot business because I was yeah. I've been dying to talk to you about it ever since I watched this movie so as a kid the parrot and the kitten were part of the draw yeah I'm sure they were. as an adult I'm running away I don't care who you are <laughs> I'm out sparks will be coming out of my heels <laughs> as I leave but as a kid I was in, I'm like a kitten and a parrot. This is going to be fun. It'll be fun to hang out with that dude. And yeah. I get to like have a crush on him the whole time. Yeah. What a perfect world. Oh my God. But he brings this fucking parrot and this cat in and he's trying to solve this crime. But here's where we get to a scene where, and I'm going to wrap it up here because I could go on forever, truly forever. <laughs> And I'm not going to spoil the crime. If you watch this film, I'm not going to spoil anything about it. But I will say, before I get to this last crucial scene of hotness, the criminal in this film ends up being someone that I think is in blackface. Yes! And they never explain a fucking thing about him. Oh my god! They I build was... the whole movie around this criminal, and then you see him and you're like, what is happening? And then they never explain it. I was fucking blown away by that i was like what in the fuck is happening <laughs> like, truly still to this day do not get it i don't get it i mean it's never addressed i feel like as the scene goes on and it goes on for a long Forever. time <laughs> He seems to be, like, sweating off the blackface makeup yeah. as it's happening. So that was the moment where I was like, oh, this is a white man in blackface makeup. Yes. What the fuck is happening? It was <laughs> like that scene where Joe Gorga was fighting with Joe Giudice 
on the Real Housewives of New Jersey and his spray on hair came off. And that's when you realize he was bald. I mean, I nobody explains this decision, and somebody had to, somebody should have. I mean, I gotta say, this is one of the deeply weirdest movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I love to do it to you. I love oh, it. Oh my god! I mean, possibly weirder than Semi Tough, which is definitely <laughs> like, as we said in that episode, one of the weirdest movies we'd ever seen. <laughs> Like plot, plot, you know, plot lines, storylines wise. That was a huge thing for me where I was like, I can't believe that no one talks about how this guy's in blackface and the movie just sort of ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy it's shit. just, and somebody should have talked about it. There, if there's ever an oral history, I want to know who that dude was. <laughs> yes. What was the so, decision making that went into this? As a person who, Definitely enjoys reading oral histories of films. Someone please do an oral history of January, man, because I need to know. I need to know. Well, I will say we we both need to know. Maybe we're the ones to do the oral history. Like we gotta gather the crew <laughs> back again. Like everyone come back, round table this shit. We have yeah. one question. What was going on with the end with that criminal in blackface? But prior to that, we get one more hot scene, super Ooh. hot scene. With Permanent crush Kevin Klein. Mm. He goes to the funeral. He goes to Allison's funeral. Bernadette's a mess. She then goes right from the funeral to an ice skating rink, which they do talk about because I'm like, this is a weird decision. <laughs> this is a weird grief reaction that I haven't seen yet. I want to know more about it. He falls all over the place. He looks adorable while he's trying to ice skate. Can't do it. They go and have some hot chocolate. And he... The whole time they're sitting in this like sunlit window with the rink behind them and they're just chatting. And he's like, it's weird that you came here after this funeral. And she's like, I just wanted like a moment of beauty or something. I truly could not tell you what she said because I was just looking at Kevin Klein. Um, He looks gorgeous in this light. And then he says to her, she's like, let's just be honest. Like, let's tell each other the truth. And he's like, I true. There's like seven hotels near here that we could go to right now. And I want to get a room. Anyone says that to me who looks like Kevin Klein, I'm Eloise. I'm moving into that fucking hotel. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I got to say, if there's... Uh, uh, Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to say. If, if there is anything that unites these two movies this week, besides the fact that Kevin Klein is hot in them, it's that he's pumping in both movies. He's There's a sex scene. In both yes. films. That is maybe, again, subconscious choice. <laughs> He's humping in both. He also has an indescribable accent in both. <laughs> I just drooled. <laughs> Which we will talk about in your film more. Oh, yeah. But the two things that unite these movies besides the fact that he's hot, are sex scenes and accents. Yes. Again, <sighs> 80s were unstoppable. So they do, they go and fuck, and then as they are fucking, he's like, wait a minute, how old are you? And that's when she tells him she's 23, and he's like, oh, I gotta go. It is the only time you will see a man with a conscious, like, in a film yeah. while he's having sex. He's And his reasoning is funny, and it's basically like, what if I had a heart attack? 
when I was with you outside <laughs> and they found us together, which is very funny. Yeah. Because again, he's a middle-aged man that I absolutely had a crush on at this point in time. But yeah, they bone. They bone. And I'm like, why were you why would you even leave that room? I know your friend just died, but you can solve a lot of crime from that hotel room. Mm. Don't leave. <laughs> Get into that life. <sighs> wow. And that's it. That this movie did it for me in three crucial ways. I was done forever. I've seen almost everything he's ever made. Yeah. I do think he's an incredible actor. And again, very low-key, always incredible in almost everything he does. Yeah. Not discussed enough. Can pull off a mustache and not make it look weird. (laughs) I don't know anybody can do that. A mustache enhances the experience for me, which I've never said about (laughs) another man on this planet. He's just hot. He's just hot in this movie. And it's gross and inexplicable and I can't say anything else about it. I love that this movie is truly, literally porn for you. Like, you don't even care. You don't even care about the plot. You don't care about the plot. You don't care about the characters. You're just like, when is Kevin Klein going to show up with that mustache, eating oysters, pumping, saving little girls. Like, I don't know. Like, you're just like, I don't care about anything that's happening. I'm just waiting for these three moments to happen. And yeah. th- this is this is how I feel. He's playing with a kitten. Like, what more do you want from me? I was helpless. <laughs> I mean, I just am so fascinated by all of this. Because, like I said, this is one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. Like, I was like, what in the fuck is going on? There's a yeah. lot of unanswered questions that I have. I mean... I see it kind of as a, he kind of, his character is to me sort of seemed like in that kind of like Philip Marlowe long goodbye, like a wacky detective with wacky pets. But then there's just also this like really dark, like serial killer story. And, but then it's also like kind of a rom-com in certain parts. So I don't know. It's, it's a confounding film for sure, but mostly it's like, I don't know. It's like a Rosetta Stone into your brain. Like, I'm like, what? Oh, this is amazing. It really is. And it's, look, I know most of you out there who have listened to the podcast for even a minute or read my book know I've never met my dad. This is not a daddy issue thing. Sure. There are a lot of old hot guys I've been watching in movies for my entire life and never had this reaction to them. What what yo, when it hits, it hits. I mean, sometimes you can't you can't explain it. You just so. can't. And it just sets the mold. The the die is cast. <laughs> and you just keep pouring fucking ore into that vessel and trying to come out with a Kevin Klein. And so far it has not worked. There is only one. I mean, listen, I am so happy that you picked this movie, this weird ass movie. <laughs> But it says so much about you, and I love that. I love that this this was the absolute moment for you. It all comes down to this. And I, I just love that. I find that so entertaining and wonderful. Oh, thank, thank you for humoring me, because, my God, I have a lot to say about your film as well. Oh, my God. Well, listen, I, this is a totally different type of Kevin Klein, really. Yeah. Uh, because he can do anything. He's the best. But the weirdest part is, like, as much as this is, like, a... Uh, ensemble film, my film this week, he somehow manages to rise to the top. I gotta say. Yep. And uh, we're gonna talk about it right now. My film <laughs> for the theme, 
Horny Four, Kevin Klein is a movie that was made in 1983. It was written by Lawrence Kasdan and Barbara Bendick. It was directed by Lawrence Kasdan. It's called The Big Chill. Getting away from you people is the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, how much sex, fun, friendship can one man take? Okay, so if you want to get down to brass tacks, this is actually the second Lawrence Kasdan, Kevin Klein film we talked about, right? Yeah. Because you presented I Love You to Death way back when. Sure did. Which I I wondered if you were going to pick that movie again. Because that... Because I was like, at that in that movie, I was like, I can see it. Again, another mustache, another yep. like New York guy. But I suppose you wanted to keep it fresh and, you know, yeah. so you picked yours. So. And plus, I did go already very, I did kind of tip the hat a little bit about how hot he was in that episode. Sure. Uh-huh. So, well, that, laid that, the groundwork. Yeah, that episode is a great companion piece to this episode. So, go go check it out. But, so... Okay, just to give you a little bit of background about The Big Chill, right? Lawrence Kasdan has done a lot of movies at this point, written and directed, but The Big Chill was the second movie that he made right after Body Heat. And Mm -hmm. I saw a couple interviews with Lawrence Kasdan talking about The Big Chill, and he said that, you know, his desire to make this movie was a couple things. Like, one... It was essentially about his life because he was basically a child of the 60s, went to college at the University of Michigan, where all of the characters went to college in the movie. Uh, So it was kind of about his life. But also he was saying, like, I wanted to make a movie that was totally different from Body Heat, which is like a very Mm -hmm. claustrophobic, you know, erotic thriller, just a couple of principal actors in the film. And then, you know, he went obviously the complete opposite direction with the big chill, you know. Lots and lots of characters in a big house. So I think that's really interesting, right? So I, I got to tell you, I did not see this movie at all in the 80s mm-hmm. or the 90s or the 2000s. I <laughs> I only saw this movie for the first time like maybe a year ago. Wow. Yeah. And I have to admit, I think the reason why is because... This movie was always presented to me as the, like, ultimate boomer nightmare film. Yes. Right. People fucking hate this movie. Right. And being that you and I are of the Gen X generation, this was hammered home, at least for me. when I When I was a teenager, like, the big chill was corny as fuck. Right? Yep. And... Mostly because the people in this movie are essentially our parents. It's like that age. They, exactly. you know, children of the 60s, they were in their 30s and the 80s. And there was just a lot of that that I think was presented. Like, <laughs> I always say that the big chill was kind of like the Eagles of movies. <laughs> <laughs> do, do go on. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, the Eagles were like pretty much the other thing that was presented to me as like boomer nightmare music yes. corny as hell right like dead deadhead sticker on a cadillac yes yes and so you've got like these two things the eagles of the big chill which i was like i will not never i mean i've i've gone on record already and said that i didn't wear birkenstocks because jane's addiction told me not to <laughs> but you know it was just stuff stuff from this era you know like 
you didn't want to have anything to do with it in the 90s because it was absolutely parent stuff. But I got to tell you, I came around on the Eagles, begrudgingly did. I had to admit it to myself. Look, Hotel California is a fucking jam. It's a story. It's a creepy little song. Look, I, I had to face myself in the mirror a few years ago and said, I like at least four Eagle songs. And <laughs> so I can't fucking deny it. I like at least four. So therefore I'm a fan. Yeah. And if you want to get down to brass tacks, I can name five that I <gasps> really enjoy. Do it right now. Okay. I can't tell you why. Mm-hmm. One of these nights. Mm. Heartache tonight. Yes. Heartache, heartache tonight. Yes. Heartache tonight. I do like take it to the limit. And I got to say, begrudgingly, I do like take it easy. <laughs> I don't know. I just like the, I like the vibe of it. I know it's corny, but I just like it. So there, like, that's the thing about stuff like this is that like, I don't know, maybe I'm a sellout. <laughs> maybe I'm a Gen X sellout, but I kind of like the Eagles and I sort of like the big chill. Here's the thing. You're not a Gen X sellout. You're middle-aged. This <laughs> is middle-aged shit. <laughs> and nobody ever imagined that we would get here for some reason in our generation where we're like, we're going to be fucking cool and hardcore forever. No, we're old and tired now. And we appreciate old time. We appreciate a take it to the limit while we're making dinner. Yeah. We appreciate <laughs> sitting down at concerts. Like we are middle-aged people now. Yeah. It's coming for all of you. And listen, it's not lost <laughs> on me that now Gen Xers are the new big chillers, basically. Like, uh, yeah. you know, the way that Gen Xers sit around and talk about seeing fucking Jesus Jones in concert or something is, like, tantamount to, like, dancing around a fucking kitchen table listening to Motown. <laughs> That's not, not lost Jesus on me, okay? <laughs> not Jesus Jones. <laughs> Remember EMF? Remember Big Audio Dynamite 2? <laughs> Fuck yeah, I do. We didn't even get the clash. We got big audio dynamite too. Yeah. <laughs> like, if there was a way to sing into like a wooden spoon to like the crash test dummies, I'm sure people in my generation would. Fuck. <laughs> it truly comes for all of you. Look, Doja Cat right now could be on stage with a fucking leotard upper crack <laughs> in 20 years. You're going to be dancing around to that. And your kids are like, the music we listen to have like naked people levitating over fire. Like, oh, this yeah. is old shit. Like, Doja Cat one day is going to be middle age music. It's already happening. Fucking people's kids are like, oh, my dad won't stop talking about LCD sound system. <laughs> so I'm just saying, y'all think you're tough now. But then you will one day realize, oh, I like five Eagle songs and it'll yeah. be over. So it comes for everyone. Right. And he and here's the thing about this movie, The Big Chill. Okay, so like, yes, it has had a bad rap for me personally all throughout my life. But then I finally watched it and thought, this is actually kind of charming. Okay. Yeah. And like, there are so many great now beloved actors in this movie. Right. But then also for me personally, they filmed this movie in, well, to be honest, they filmed a large part of it in Atlanta, but then it got cut from the film. I'll talk about mm. that in just a second. But then they filmed it in Beaufort, South Carolina, at this house called Tidal Home, which was is the house that they filmed The Great Santini. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, The Great Santini. Yeah. We got to talk about it. I love that movie so much. We'll talk about it on an episode one day. Fuck yeah. But it, 
you know, I spent my early childhood uh, right outside of Charleston. And, you know, we used to go to vacations at Hilton Head. And like, so I don't know, to me, I have this like kind of nostalgia for the area, like having to drive over the like big bridges and the causeways and stuff. And I mean, it's yeah. why I like the Prince of Tide so much. So sue me, right? So that's that's a huge part of the big chill because a big part of this movie, there's not actually a lot going on in this movie if you think about it, right? right. It's just truly, a, like I'll do a one sentence synopsis right now, okay? So the big chill is about seven college buddies who reunite and rekindle over the course of a weekend after they've just gone to the funeral of one of their friends, Alex, who has just died by suicide. Okay. So, like I said, this was a group that they've known each other since college. They all went to the University of Michigan together. They're now in their 30s, and they're in South Carolina at this kind of, um, it's kind of like an old Southern house that's owned by Kevin Klein and and Glenn Close's characters. It's like their summer home. And it's just, it's them over the course of this weekend after this funeral just kind of hanging out and, you know, rekindling their friendships. So like Danielle did in St. Elmo's Fire, I'm going to have to like go down the list of who's in this movie and who the characters are, okay? Yes. So you've got Harold Cooper, who is played by, yeah boy, Kevin Klein. Okay. And he's kind of like the father of the group or something. He owns like a chain of these running shoe stores and apparently is about to sell his company to some huge corporation and become like a multimillionaire. But he's already pretty rich, I have to say. Yeah. So, and it's a family business. So he's been rich for a while. Yeah. So he's had money for a while. Okay. He is married to Sarah, who is played by Glenn Close. Okay. They have a couple kids. You know, they're very much kind of stand up folks. She's a doctor and she is, you know, obviously like the kind of mom of the group. Okay. At some point in the film, it's revealed that Sarah had an affair with Alex, mm-hmm. the deceased. Okay, and maybe in in a weird way still kind of holds a flame for him, um, which is, you know, talked about in the film a little bit as they're hanging out. Then you've got Sam Weber, who is played by Tom Berenger. Okay, another, you want to talk about mustache. (laughs) Lord, Lord have mercy. So Sam is an actor who's living in L.A., he stars in his own show called JT Lancer, which kind of seems like a fall guy type of show. <laughs> like, I guess yeah. it's like, or it's Hunter. Like a Knight Rider. Yes. <laughs> Hunter, Knight Rider, fall guy. And pick your poison. Seems a little bit insecure and, you know, maybe a little guilty for being this kind of like actor sellout guy. Cause that's a, that's another huge conversation in the film, which we'll get yes. to in a second, is this whole like, and this is what makes it boomer nightmare stuff it's just this idea that they were all like revolutionaries in the 60s and now they're all like rich and own summer homes and what happened what what happened to the dream yes which as i'm saying it i'm like rolling my eyes right now right (laughs) also as you as you're saying it i'm like that is what's happening now as well like it never stops this never happens to every generation 
yeah. is all these folks who are like, we are revolutionaries. And I'm like, your parents are loaded and you're cosplaying at being <laughs> a justice warrior. Yes, it's... It's a it's a conversation that never ends, even though, you know, a lot of people my age saw them having that conversation in this movie and going like, what a bunch of losers like this is so corny, whatever. But so you then you have Michael, who is played by Jeff Goldblum. Okay, Michael is a writer for People magazine, and he's kind of like. He's like this intellectual, but also maybe kind of a sex pest. <laughs> oh my God. He's a fucking lech. And when you watch him unpack his suitcase, it is bone chilling. Oh yeah. It's like he's taking out all of his like jockey brief underwear, Ugh. condoms. And like, I gotta tell you, Jeff Goldblum looks exactly the same as he does now. <laughs> what the fucking glasses he's wearing is like, hipster warby parker glasses oh god i'm like this really guy does. looks exactly the same it's it's insane you got you and gotta, he's a sex pest that's his character he's like i am a se- an instant sex pest i'm gonna hit on the girlfriend of my friend who died by suicide that's right that's while right. my friend is being roasted at his own funeral like they, they roast alex at his own funeral <laughs> they truly do which the priest is like he used to be smart he could have been a fucking physicist now he's doing what it's incredible scene yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you got Michael. Then you got Mick, who is played by William Hurt. Also was in Body Heat. So he, you know, made the transition from Body Heat to the Big Chill. I got to say, I I think Nick is maybe my favorite character. Yeah. Okay. Because he is our laconic philosophical drug addict. Yes. He... Went to Vietnam, came back, and apparently now has this kind of injury that renders him impotent. Did he get his dick blown off in Vietnam is the question that should have been asked of this movie and the only conversation that should have been happening. Big fucking question. No one addresses it. I mean, they talk about it. It's it's alluded to. We don't know what happened. We don't know if he got his dick shot off or if it just... Uh, the the life went out of it. Who the fuck knows? But it's there are many times in the movie where they talk about it for different reasons, and but yet nobody he doesn't really go into that. So we just, yeah. we're just left wondering what happened. But his character, he's kind of ableist, always high. He's he's the one that puts the brick underneath the car, uh, yep. the brick of cocaine, but. Gotta say, probably the best fashion sense out of all of them. I mean, he's got that look. I'm sorry, I can't help it. I'm like, yo, those corduroy blazers and the aviator sunglasses. I'm like, damn, that's that is a timeless hot boy look. It's a classic. All right, so you got Nick, you got Karen, who is played by Joe Beth Williams of Poltergeist fame. Listen, she is your typical mom. Married to a boring rich guy, gave up her dreams of being a writer to like have a family. And she's just kind of like, I'm a rich lady housewife and I'm bored and I- I'm searching. She used to have a-, a thing for Sam and is now like trying to talk to him a lot during the weekend and stuff. I mean, it's like you, you know, this woman, let's just say that she hates her life and she's looking for a, a-, a quickie. <laughs> Looking for looking for some action. Y- you then have 
Our girl, Mary Kay Place, who plays Meg, she's single, smart, lawyer. She smokes like two packs a day. She really wants to have a baby. And her intention for this weekend is to ask one of her guy friends in her group to impregnate her. Yes. Which we will get to in just a moment, because this that is a very weird part of this film for me. That is something that I, I'm glad that we're going to talk about, because <laughs> it made me look at my own friend group, and I would never. Oh, my God. They're great, but most of them are like, oh, they already have families. They already have, like, why pick from the pool that you know, instead of just going to, like, a sperm bank or something? Like, I just, I will talk about it. Yes, yes, yes. But it, it, let's just say that what she requires this stud... <laughs> to do is uh, could never happen. I could I could never even do that. And then you have kind of this like outsider character, Chloe, who's played by Meg Tilly, gorgeous Meg Tilly. She's the only one in the gr- that wasn't in the original group, she, but she was Alex's girlfriend right before he passed away, and she's much mm-hmm. younger than everybody. And she kind of has this like, you know, she's younger. She's not sort of like baked into like a cynicism or like a kind of thing. So like, she's just kind of like levity or something for the, for the, for them. Yeah. They're the group. Right. They all look um, at her like she's an absolute alien. Yeah. They're like, she's such a weirdo, but she's to me, I think kind of like a breath of fresh air. Right. Yeah. So like I said, a lot of this movie is them just kind of hanging out together and you know, they're in this big house and it's very clear that they have a very strong bond. I mean, maybe they haven't kept in touch as much as they wanted, but, you know, a lot of what they do over the weekend is, like, cook, get high, sit around, you know, with this, like, camcorder and film themselves talking. And, you know, there's a lot of conversation about the 60s and about, you know, that sort of, like, standard kind of boomer storyline now of, like, well, we used to be revolutionaries and now we're yuppies and what happened? And, you know, some of them have less problem with it than others. I mean, it feels like Harold, I think, out of all of them, the Kevin Klein character is like, so what? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I the, that cop helped me. So I guess we like cops. <laughs> there was uh. a moment where William Hurt's like, yo, why do you like cops? And he's like, I don't know. They help me out. That cop lives down, he lives down the street from me. Yeah. So it's that moment where like some of them are like, I don't like cops. I don't like this. And then others are like, well, whatever. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's interesting because throughout the course of the weekend, they're, they're getting high eating. They're talking through this death, right? Their friend, Alex. And they just feel like various levels of guilt about like not knowing what was happening to him. Uh, and and weirdly enough, Chloe, his girlfriend, she's not much help. Like she's basically like, yeah, yeah, everything seemed chill, and then then it wasn't. And so it's just kind of this big mystery that hangs over the weekend, and none of them can really solve it, right? And there was this one of the biggest legends of the Big Chill was that there was this entire sequence that was filmed at the end, that was filmed in Atlanta, that was ultimately cut from the film where Alex was alive and he's actually played by Kevin Costner. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Kevin Costner is technically in this film. (laughs) (laughs) And actually he is like in the very beginning sequence where the Marvin Gaye song is playing and then they're kind of like preparing the body. His, that's his actual hair apparently. Yeah. So he's technically in it, but he had an actual role, like a speaking role, but it's just, they cut it from the film. Would have been interesting to see that, but from what I've read, it kind of threw everything off. 
Well, yeah, I'm wondering too if like it was in just in terms of like a filmmaking perspective, it was better to have him be absent and have these people really just have to deal with their own shit without yeah. using him in that story. Like it kind of I like that as a as a move. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, like I said, part of the charm of this film is just that they're they all clearly are very close and from what I've read like they the actors actually lived in Beaufort when they were filming and they all got together apparently Jeff Goldblum and Kevin Klein lived in a house and it was kind of like the party house and they were like running around like in rural South Carolina just sort of like playing games and pulling pranks on each other and so it seemed like the people in the film were like they were also bonded by making the film and they right. were on location, so they didn't really have anything else to do but to hang out. And that's very charming to me, because pretty yeah. much every single actor in this movie is fucking famous. And they weren't, at this time, they weren't that famous when they made this yeah. movie. Yeah, this really launched careers. Yes. And I gotta say, for the purposes of this episode, we're gonna talk about Kevin Klein's shorts. There are many times in this movie where he is wearing these tiny running shorts. And singularly, this is the moment of hotness for you. Well, I just am like, look at those legs. <laughs> like, <laughs> like those, those are great legs. Great men's legs. I mean, these shorts are so tiny, they're pretty much underwear. Am I right? When you see track stars who have like, they're usually women who have the like... um underwear spandex they're kind of a looser version of that yeah very very tiny there's a sequence where him and uh the william hurt the william hurt character are like they're like kind of walking down the street together i'm not gonna lie i was like are we about to see some pop out are we gonna are we gonna see like some some dickage coming out of those shorts i was i was waiting for it but some pop out yeah i was like something's about to pop out here and I was like, if, if, if only Daniel were here with me so we could really, like, pause it. I mean, look. Zoom. We got Blu-ray for a reason, right? Now we're looking. Now we're fucking that, looking. <laughs> um, but Daniel is absolutely right. He has one of the weirdest accents ever. Because the part of the, the, the part of this movie that's very confounding is that, like, okay, all of them went to University of Michigan. But I'm like, are they supposed to be southern? Because it like this is a this is a vacation house for Harold and Sarah, right? Right. So it's not as if they technically have to live in South Carolina. But then I think Kevin Klein's character is supposed to have had a southern accent. So I think he was raised there. Like it's a family. <sighs> his family business is there, so it makes sense that like he would have a summer house in the place where he was from. Maybe? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's an accent that goes in and out. Mm. And I don't need it. I wish they just not give it. I just, I wish that wasn't a choice. I don't yeah. need it to get there with him. I, I don't either. And I'm like, sir, you, you did what you could at the time. But like, as a Southern person, I was like, that ain't right. That is not the right thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I salute the effort. But wow, that was so weird. But he, there was a, so there's the thing with Mary Kay Place's character, right? Meg. She wants to have a baby pretty badly. She goes around pretty much every guy and is like, will you impregnate me? And they're like, no, for various reasons. Yeah. William Hurt's like, I got my dick blown off in Vietnam, baby. <laughs> and then Sam is like, I'm kind of still in love with Joe Beth Williams' character. 
Yeah. And Jeff Goldblum's just gross. Yeah, she's like, she's the one that says, actually, no. Because we've already (laughs) done it, and I don't want to do that again. That was a nightmare. So... that leaves Harold right and she doesn't technically ask Harold or anything but there's a moment where Glenn Close aka Sarah aka his wife has this moment where she's like I want to give my friend a baby and I'm gonna allow her to fuck my husband I mean this is this is the biggest bone of contention with most people when they talk about this movie yes it's like huh what who woo but I will say that was a very straightforward response to what most people would have just done behind the closed doors yeah. without telling anybody. Yeah. But it was a, a moment of generosity that people could not comprehend. Yeah. There's a moment, too, where, you know, because a, a lot of this movie is sort of people having regrets about the past and everything. And, you know, obviously, like, the Sarah character had an affair with Alex it kind of, uh, her and Harold weren't good for a while, but then they got to a better place about it, and she sort of still carries a little bit of a torch for Alex in a weird way. There's a part of it that, me, that thought, is she just being like, yo, well then if you go fuck my friend, then we're kind of mm-hmm. calling it even? I fucked a friend, you fucked a friend. Right. Which is very strange. And it makes her whole, like, that moment, because she, you know, it's it's seen as like, oh, what a act of, like, service. Or, like, what a what an act right. of, like, uh, friendship to allow your friend who really wants a baby to fuck her husband who's so great and has great legs or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, it all, but to me, it kind of changes that a little bit by thinking about it in that way as saying, like, well, now she just wants to even the score so that she doesn't feel guilty for fucking Alex. I don't know. Right. Yeah, there's a whole storyline there that could have been explored in that vein of like, you know, her face is saying this is cool, but her action, the action itself is rooted in a weirdness in their relationship that I think isn't really explored. Yeah. I mean, that's very deeply cynical of me to to think that she was that calculating, maybe. Uh, But, you know, but then again, you do think, I mean, I think what the plot is telegraphing in that moment is like oh here's like uh, uh, children of the 60s they were very free love and they were very much like fucking each other so this could have happened like this maybe would have happened but you do get to see kevin klein's pumps and he looks cute in those pajamas looking great like there's so many cute moments like there's a moment of him jumping over the couch and he looks adorable like he jumps over the back of the couch and lays down yeah he's like giggling while he's making the bed he's just cute in this movie yeah even the like very famous scene of them singing in the kitchen like wrapping up food with tin foil in that moment where he they just get like extremely corny for about a minute even in that moment, I was like, I can't hate him for this. Like, He's adorable. Yeah. I mean, he's doing a corny dad thing, but fuck it. Fuck it if he ain't cute. So, He's cute and he's got great legs. And what more do we want from a man? <laughs> exactly. Even though, at, I gotta be honest, at the end of the day, I was like, uh, I think my, my true lusty feelings move towards Nick and the William Hurt character. But Kevin Klein, for the purposes of this episode... Is, is a hottie in this film. He's a young hottie with, you know, still got that hair, still got that crazy curly yep. hair. So. An absolute, a dream boat. Yes. I, had, I didn't, I mean, I obviously saw the January Man before I saw the Big Chill. I didn't yeah. see the Big Chill until much later. Um, but 
Very, very cute. It's a good pick. It's a good pick for this theme. I get it. I get why those legs launched a generation <laughs> of crushes. <laughs> they sure did. And you know what? Like I said, if you're a type of person like me that was r- resisting watching a movie like this because you thought it was like too cheesy to live, give it a whirl. It's on Criterion Blu-ray. There's a lot of great special features. And there's a, there's a great reunion, actually. They did like a little like mm-hmm. reunion at TIFF uh, a couple of years ago. And Kevin Klein is so funny in that. You got to see oh, it. Um, he's deeply funny. And look, no one's asking you to love boomers. We're just saying, you know, <laughs> there's some hotness to be found in this film. Well, I have to say, Danielle, do you feel, do you feel better now that you were able to express your passion for your man? No. No, no, I feel disgusted with myself. I'm so embarrassed and disgusted. And I just, I'm glad I got it off my chest, but I do not feel good. (laughs) 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 But it's, look, facts are facts. This is a long held crush for me and I can't deny it. I can no longer deny it that my origin story was the January man and (laughs) it has carried on forever since that point. I can't deny it. I don't feel good about it, but sure. I'm also not going to interrogate it. Some things just are the way they are. <laughs> well, as your friend, I I appreciated this glimpse into your psyche, and um, I'm I'm with you. I, uh, Thank you. I I encourage the weird crushes from childhood. Purge that info. Make yourself feel for once. Um, Thank you. Thank you for going down this road with me. Of course, anytime. Now. Do you want to tell them about the movies for next week? I sure do. Because next week, the films are Sleeping with the Enemy from 1991 and Remember My Name from 1978. All right. And this is the only time I'm going to do this because Remember My Name is a little hard to find. I will say that. If you go to the Internet Archive, if you get, if you Google the Internet Archive, you may be able to find it. I'm just throwing that out there. But that's the movies. Excellent. Yes. And if you want to email us, as always, we're at I saw what you did pod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on our social media at I saw pod on Instagram and Twitter. Don't snitch tag Kevin Klein. Please. Or do. I don't care anymore. <laughs> we're all going to die. Snitch tag them all you want. How nice is it for someone to talk about how they have a crush on you? No, I take it back. It's not nice. It's creepy. If he listens to this, I will crawl into a hole. <laughs> Don't put this in his face, okay? Yeah, but you can find us at I Saw Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Listen, Danielle, as always, it was a fucking pleasure doing this podcast with you. I loved watching, I I loved watching these films knowing that you were having your mind blown. Just saying. Having tiny heart attacks like Rod Steiger. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see how cute he is? And my family's like, what the fuck is wrong with this kid? That was also, it was the beginning of my crush on Kevin Klein. It was also the beginning of my family questioning what exactly is wrong with me. (laughs) Which is also a relationship that that will continue for the next 30 years. Oh my God. Uh, You're the best. I'm so grateful for you giving me this space. And (laughs) until next time. All right. See you later. Bye. This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced and mixed by Casey O'Brien. Our theme song is by Tom Bryfogle. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgariff, and Daniel Kramer. 
You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at I Saw Pod. And you can email us at I Saw What You Did Pod at Gmail. Follow I Saw What You Did on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase I Saw What You Did merch.